0: God slash reality is good. Given the stakes involved, it's of paramount importance that we contend with the most accurate representation of reality or God possible. Not doing so means that our expenditures of limited resources are improperly made and we fail to, quote, sacrifice to the precise thing we are intending, at least not as optimally as we could. We therefore sacrifice in vain. By expending our most scarce and precious resources, time and energy, without the optimal return or even the best corrective feedback. Because the regenerative hero is the one who sees most clearly the truth of the reality in which they're embedded, they are therefore most able to construct a congruent relationship with it. This permits the most efficient possible engagement with that reality and therefore provides the greatest opportunity to bring forth the best form of quote, good and useful order from the eternal wellspring of potential, that is chaos or the unconscious. But who defines good? We could go through the exercise of identifying and determining the impacts of all actions and their related outcomes to come to some consensus on what constitutes good, and this, indeed, is precisely one of the prime objectives of religious story. However, such an approach may always be stuck in an infinitude of subjectivity. As a result, it seems necessary to invoke an assumption about the nature of reality which may indeed be the foundational article of faith which permeates and animates all religious and mythic story and quite possibly the nature of reality and existence itself. That assumption is that God, or whatever force or process generates reality, is fundamentally good, creative, or loving. If we accept this, and I understand many won't, seeing and acting in truth, that is, maximally truthful information about that reality, is the very process through which the good emerges, This is because seeing with a more truthful perception increases the, quote, bandwidth, so to speak, by which that force of generative order may emerge in the world. Truth thus becomes the fundamental concept for the identification and refinement of moral principles, as it represents the notion and means by which the source from which they spring is accessed by consciousness. Perhaps it is for this reason that the pursuit of truth is so often associated with, or even tantamount to, the pursuit of God. Peterson, Christ said, put truth and regard for the divine and humanity above all else, and everything you need will follow. It seems to me that the religious stories are attempts to convey what, quote, living in truth, living in as perfect a relationship as possible with the primary forces of generative order, actually looks like, and they necessarily must do so by articulating, through symbol, dramatic narrative, and metaphorical abstraction, the very structure of the reality we experience, This is why the religious stories aren't so much about how to act, but how reality works, leaving the individual, necessarily, with the freedom to determine how best to engage it. I stumbled upon a post by an anonymous Reddit user that I thought explained this dynamic nicely. Quote, The more attuned you are to truth, i.e. the more accurately your internal map reflects outward reality, the better prepared you are to exchange information and actions with that reality. If our internal representation provides an accurate model which reflects God's properties, we are more capable of interacting with God in relationship. It is in this light that truthful information, and the truthful perception it fosters, is seen as being of primary importance, as it best determines the validity of the actions we take. It permits us to optimize our, quote, exchange with reality, as we seek to offer some aspect of our limited selves for something else that makes us less limited, vis-a-vis our ideal. So when we ask the question, what is the thing of greatest value? Perhaps it's simply the thing that every ideal elevates, the truthful information which most permits movement toward it. In this way, if truth is the means of mitigating or reducing limitation by facilitating movement toward an ideal, then the greatest truth is that which most resolves limitation, that is, grants liberation, or union with the highest ideal or principle. Indeed, the truth shall set you free. To bring us back to the statement and framework we've been exploring, it would seem that truthful information is critical for the optimal structuring of value hierarchies, as it permits the establishment of the greatest congruence possible with the forces of our environment, social, natural, invisible, etc., and thus permits us to move through it as efficiently as possible, toward the attainment of our highest ideal and any subordinate to it. Said another way, the fidelity and integrity of the information used to orient and order any hierarchy determines its ability to establish congruence with the environment in which it's attempting to navigate, and therefore its ability to collaborate with it in the generation of desired experience. The Other Gods Of course, hierarchies are not solely an individual phenomenon. As we interact with others who share the territory with us, we encounter their hierarchies and the ideals which orient them. Through their behaviors. A quote external hierarchy then takes shape, which reflects the aggregate value hierarchies of all individuals. We call these markets. As these value hierarchies interact, they adopt and reorient to one another. They also permit comparison. The process of comparing value, and importantly, acting it out, is what shapes the hierarchy of the market, revealing to all what is more or less valued. As we are pulled forward by our ideals, or future images of ourselves, even if that image is just one of ourselves having something new, our minds become tuned to see opportunities that can get us there more quickly or efficiently. Counterintuitively, is the differences between our goals, or at least the timelines on which we are striving to reach them, that drives our willingness to cooperate and trade, because desiring the exact same thing at the exact same time as someone else would mutually exclude any benefit. Interestingly, this constitutes a kind of, quote, uniting of opposites, which brings together one person who wants to sell a particular item and another who wants to do the exact opposite, in buying it. The result is the increased order that is generated by the exchange, represented in the moving of both more expediently toward their goals. Peterson, the behavior of any given social group and, therefore, the value attributed to phenomena that constitute the shared territory of the group emerges as a consequence of the necessity of maintaining balance between opportunity for expression of individual desire and restriction of inter-individual conflict. Optimizing for the attainment of individual desire, while maximally mitigating conflict, is precisely what markets based on voluntary exchange best achieve. If your contribution in a market is deemed to be of value, that is, if your behavior is congruent with the truth of the market, sound familiar, you are rewarded. Your rewards are in proportion to the value the places on the truth you satisfy or discover, the facilitation of the advancement of someone, directly or indirectly, toward their goals. Peterson A dominance hierarchy is a social arrangement which determines access to desired commodities. In most cases, these commodities are cues for consumatory reward, experiences that signify movement toward or increased likelihood of attaining the desired goal, Relative position in the dominance hierarchy, at least in the perfectly functioning society, is in itself determined through social judgment. That judgment reflects appreciation of the value of a particular individual. That value reflects how society views the ability of that individual to contribute to the attainment of the goal. Every phenomenon experienced within the confines of a particular society is laden with dominance hierarchy and goal-schema-relevant information, the dominant hierarchy of value extant socially and intrapsychically employs fear and promise to regulate access to desired commodities to determine the net motivational significance of particular events and processes. It seems then that the relative scarcity of desired commodities and the resources of each individual are what allows such hierarchies to form. Once again, limitation is seen as the mechanism which generates form and order by permitting the process of relative valuation and thereby playing a critical role in elucidating the net motivational significance of things, that is, their value. The foundation of any market is optimized insofar as it propagates or transmits with equal weight and pristine fidelity the information derived from market actors. If not, then there is imperfect communication of and between the value hierarchies of those participants. In such a case, behaviors become incongruent or at least suboptimally so, as they depart from having the necessary information to be properly structured in relation to one another, that is, they become pathological and lead to disorder. The mechanism by which these value hierarchies communicate and become ordered, or disordered, is therefore of paramount importance. We have a name for that mechanism money.